Good morning, friends. Let's start with this question. Who was your greatest teacher ever? For some of you, that is an easy question to answer. For others, you may have to think a while. Well, since I went to a lab school that supplied student teachers to practice on us, I may have had four different student teachers a quarter added to the primary teacher. So that's like 17 teachers a year for eight years of grade school. High school was somewhat the same, and then there was college and grad school and seminars and yeah, on and on. But you may probably already have guessed that the best teacher ever for me would be Jesus. Certainly he came to this world so that we might receive new life in him, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he accomplished this through his death on the cross. But he also came to do more than just die for our sins. He also came to teach us how to live, because this is certainly our quandary. As a race, we're not very good at it. We don't really know how to live. We don't always know the right thing to do. And when we do know the right thing to do, we're not always real good at doing it. So Jesus came to teach us how to live, and his teachings cover every facet of life. I mean, he teaches us how to sort out our priorities, how to treat our friends, how to respond to enemies or those that don't treat us very well. He teaches us how to pray, how to relate to God, what it means to love God. He teaches us what our proper attitude should be towards money and generosity and the accumulation of wealth. He teaches us how to face our problems, how to deal with adversity. He teaches us what to do when we're afraid or worried or full of doubt. He teaches us what it means to live a life of faith. I was thinking that if all we had were the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the books that tell the stories of his life and record his teachings, it would be enough for us to live a life in God. Now, before you get all upset, obviously all Scripture is inspired and all Scripture is essential for edification. I'm not implying otherwise. I am, however, saying that there is enough in these four Gospels to teach us how to live the kind of life Jesus promised, and that's an abundant life. This is why a Christian's Bible reading schedule should include an emphasis on reading the Gospels. All Scripture, of course, is inspired, but the teachings of Jesus are especially helpful in teaching us what we need to know about how to live this life. Now, if you're a regular listener, a few weeks ago I suggested that we should study about the need to know him and to become like him. It is, after all, what our lives should be about. Two messages ago, we learned that he is fully God, fully man, that he came to this earth so that we might see a living, breathing example of what it means to be fully surrendered to God. That's why it's worth it to follow it, follow him. Last week, um, we saw that Jesus' entire approach to life and ministry was the opposite of the entitlement mentality. Even though he, of all people, had every right to act entitled, he gave us an example of greatness, an example of humble service to others, and as it turns out, they're the same thing. And as it also turns out, this is an area in which we're all able to follow his example. Everyone can devote their lives to serving others. Well, this morning I want to take a look at Jesus, the teacher. Obviously, we can't look at all of Jesus' teachings, but we're going to talk about the attitude we should have toward his teachings, what, his, what role his words should have in our daily lives. So I ask, have you ever struggled with the question, what does it really mean to live a Christian life? Just what does it mean to be holy? 
mean, what does God expect of me and how does he want me to live? In the teachings of Jesus, you're going to find the answers to these questions. In his teachings, you find clarity, purpose, and direction. And though sometimes you're going to be challenged to confront uh, some attitudes and situations you may not be ready to confront, when you have a solid foundations in the teaching of Jesus, the Messiah, you're going to face these situations with a clear idea of what needs to be done. Now, you've heard it all the time that Jesus was a great teacher, so let's just talk for a moment about his style or method of teaching. His most common style of teaching was to tell stories. Now, the Bible word for them is uh, parable, but they're really just stories, stories that teach a lesson or explain a spiritual truth or, as I was taught a long time ago in a Lutheran grade school, earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And I like how the Living Bible explains it in Mark 4, too. It says his usual method of teaching was to tell people stories. See, he talked about a farmer planting seeds, some on good soil, some of bad. He talked about a man who planted a wheat field and discovered that an enemy had come in and planted weeds. Uh, he talked about a woman baking bread who needs to put a little yeast in the dough so it will rise when it's placed in the oven. He talked about how the smallest of all seeds, the mustard seed, would grow into the largest of all garden plants, the mustard tree. He talked about a man who owned a hundred sheep and lost one, so he went out looking for it. He talked about a man who gave his workers large amounts of money and advised them to manage it well. <clears throat> he told about the owner of a vineyard who hired day laborers through the day and paid them all the same wage, and on and on. Now, some people are more spiritually perceptive than others. I mean, some people hear a parable, and they get it right away. They go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. He's talking about forgiveness, or he's talking about faith. But let's be honest. There are other people who hear a story about a man working in a vineyard, and they think, what does this have to do with anything? The stories of Jesus have something like a time-release effect on some people. They're like spiritual seeds planted in the hearts of listeners, the story is always easy to remember, even if the listener doesn't understand its meaning at first. But those who seek to know the truth will eventually have that aha moment where they say, okay, now I get it. Another method Jesus used in teaching is what I would call the memorable saying. In other words, a single statement consisting of just a few words which sums up a spiritual principle. For example, do to others as you would have them do to you. Or, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. Or, judge not that you not be judged. Or, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, his sayings are short, sweet, and to the point. They're easy to remember. They tell you what you need to know about what you need to know, and what you need to do. I mean, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, it's almost impossible to misinterpret this command. I mean, think about it. Would I like it if someone got in my face and screamed at me for making a mistake? No, I wouldn't. So that means I shouldn't yell and scream at others either. Well, Jesus also taught lessons through the events of daily life. I mean, he saw some children and called them to him and taught them about what faith really means. He saw a widow drop two small coins in an offering plate and taught about generosity. The Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and he used that moment to teach about forgiveness and grace. A man comes asking to be healed on the Sabbath, and after Jesus heals him, he talks about the dangers of legalism. 
Now, here's what I've noticed. The more time you spend in the Gospels learning how Jesus taught, the more spiritually perceptive you become. You begin to see the lessons of biblical truth in everyday matters. Where mothers may only see a ball game, you see a powerful example of what the Christian life is all about. That's what Jesus said so often, for him who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking about becoming spiritually perceptive. And I just pray that we all have ears to hear his voice. So those are three examples of Jesus' teaching methods. And he used a lot more like rhetoric and logic and just asking questions. But these are three of the most common. But let me just talk for a few moments about five challenges you can expect to encounter when you read the teachings of Jesus. And you heard me right. I said five. But I'm going to move through these very quickly. One, you're going to be challenged to take a closer look. There are many aspects of the teachings of Jesus that require more than a surface-level scan. They require some thought and reflection and meditation and some deep study. And sometimes you're going to find yourself intrigued, and sometimes you're going to find yourself taken aback. And sometimes, quite frankly, you may find yourself confused, at least at first. I mean, a man says to Jesus, I will follow you, but first let me bury my father. And Jesus responded by saying, let the dead bury the dead. Now, why would he say that? One time he said to a Gentile woman, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Why would he say that? Another time when a man called Jesus good teacher, Jesus replied, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. Now, why would Jesus say that? I mean, what does that mean, that he's not good and he's not God? I mean, there are times when you will encounter a teaching that causes you to say, hey, wait a minute, what does that mean? What's he really saying here? I mean, many of Jesus' teachings are so straightforward and so direct that they require no interpretation. But believe me, sometimes you're going to encounter stories and sayings that kind of leave you scratching your head for a minute. When you read the Gospels, expect to be challenged to take a closer look. And two, you're going to also be challenged to take a second look. And a third and a fourth and so on. Now, here's what I'm saying. The Gospel stories... are so richly layered that you can keep coming back to them and discover something new every time. These are not like dime store novels where when you read one, you read them all. These stories bear repeating. They're they're classic literature. Every time you come back to the Gospels, they take you a little deeper than last time. And when I say you're going to be challenged to take a closer look and a second look, I'm saying that the more you read the Gospels, the deeper you want to go. And you'll never, ever quite reach the bottom of the well. And three, you're going to be challenged to take an inward look. You're going to discover in the stories and the teachings that Jesus talks to you about you. His stories aren't designed to tell us how bad all those other people are and how much better we are than them or how the world would be a better place if they were more like us. No, when you read the Gospels, you get the impression that Jesus is talking to you about you. Or they're talking to me about me. In the Gospels, you see that he's challenging you to evaluate yourself, your heart, your priorities, to take a personal inventory of who you are and where you are and where you stand in your relationship to God. For example, Jesus told a story about two men who went up to the temple to pray. One was very religious, very proud of it. He prayed a rather self-congratulatory prayer. Lord, I thank you that I'm such a good person. I'm so much better than everyone else. The other man was a a sinner, a tax collector. He was just too ashamed to even 
leave the back rows, too ashamed to even look up as he prayed. He simply said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says something pretty astounding in Luke eight fourteen. I tell you that this man, that's that sinner, that tax collector, rather than the other one, went home justified before God. We see this again and again in Scripture, especially in the Gospels. The, the sin you need to worry about first and foremost, and about most, is the sin that's polluting your life, your sin. Before you start pointing fingers at the rest of the world, Jesus challenges you to look inward at your heart and your thoughts and your attitudes and your desires and your motives. The Gospels never let you get away with looking down on others. Jesus challenges you to deal with what's in your heart. And four, you will be challenged to move out of your comfort zone. I don't know about you, but I've read the Gospels often enough to know that they aren't fluffy, feel-good stories. This isn't chicken soup for the Sadducee soul. I mean, though you will hear many words of comfort in the Gospels, you can also hear Jesus calling you outside your comfort zone. To love people you're not inclined to love, to give when you're not inclined to give, to obey when you're not inclined to obey, to pray when you're not inclined to pray. He's going to challenge you to persevere when you're tempted to quit, to stand in faith when you're about ready to fall over in doubt, to hold fast to hope when all around you are giving in to despair. In the Gospels, Jesus challenges you to stretch yourself, to move your faith to the next level. You can't read the Gospels every day and stay satisfied with where you are spiritually or be complacent about your role in God's kingdom. You will find yourself challenged again and again to do more and more and to be more for the glory of God. Well, that brings us to our fifth challenge. You will be challenged to take action. Now, I'm saying that you'll be challenged to put his teachings into practice. Jesus taught no theory. He only taught the practical application of spiritual truth. For example, Jesus says very plainly in Matthew 7:21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He goes on to say in verse 24 of that same chapter, Therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Did you catch that little phrase? And puts them into practice. Now Jesus didn't preach FYI sermons as if to say here's something interesting about the Bible or here's some interesting information about God. The teachings of Jesus always move us in the direction of taking action. James says that we are to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive ourselves. In the Gospels, you find yourself challenged again and again to be a doer of the word, to put his teaching into practice in your daily life. Well, in closing, let's talk about how we can put the teachings of Jesus into practice. And to be straightforward, it begins with spending time in the Gospels every day, reading and rereading the teachings of Jesus. Now, I love the Psalms, I love the Proverbs, I love the letters of Paul. Uh, I love the minor prophets who just finished teaching that at Angola Prison. And when we study the Word, we need to study all of the Word because all of it's useful. However, as we study, let's make sure that we don't neglect what we think sometimes is all too familiar, and that's the Gospels. I want to challenge you to spend a few minutes each day reading from one of the Gospels. I mean, just pick one. I mean, specifically read the letters in red. You know, the words of Jesus. You don't have to read an entire chapter. Just read a section at a time or a few verses at a time 
And if you don't know where to start, you could start with Matthew 5, or you could start in Luke 15, or John 10, or anywhere else in the Gospels. I'm challenging you to spend time each day listening to what Jesus has to say and what he's saying to you, and thinking about what Jesus has to say, and meditating on what Jesus had to say, and then asking yourself, what do Jesus' words mean for me today? How should I respond to his teaching today? If, for the next 30 days, you were to spend just a few minutes each day reading from the Gospels, I think you'd be amazed at what you'll learn. I can tell you what will happen. You're going to find yourself sometimes taken aback, maybe a little, even a little confused. And you'll find yourself discovering nuggets in the stories that you'd never really noticed before. And you're going to find yourself at times confronted with areas of your life that you need to correct. And you're going to find yourself at times challenged to demand more from yourself, to be more holy than you've ever been, to be more merciful than you've ever been, to be more consistent than you've ever been. And you're going to find yourself challenged to put it all into practice, to apply his words to your daily life, to become a doer of the word. Yes, my friends, Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever lived. Not because his stories are merely interesting or because his sayings are so clever, but because they're powerful. When you build your life on the teaching of Jesus, your life works. It's just as simple as that. Now, earlier I read a verse from Matthew where Jesus talks about the man who built his house on a rock. And in the Gospel, here's how he explained it. I will show you what it is like when someone comes to me, listens to my teachings, and follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. Friends, Jesus came not only to die on the cross for our sins, yours, mine, the entire world, but also to teach us how to live. You can build your life on the teachings of Jesus because he taught lessons that anyone can learn, anyone can understand, and anyone can do, from the youngest child to the most experienced adult, and that includes you. When you build your life on the teachings of Jesus, you're building your life on solid rock. So take the first step. Begin the day in the Gospels. Listen to his teaching and look for ways to put his words into practice. Try this for 30 days and see what changes he can make in your life. God bless. We'll talk to you next week.